Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together entrepreneurs, founders, business leaders, and experts to talk about their journeys and explore the link between personal and business success. I'm your host, Juan Munson, founder of Evolve, a coaching, training, and development company focused on enabling business and personal success and creating a community of like-minded individuals. Whether that be through our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, our training and development programs for you and your teams, or through our content and events, our mission is to get the best out of each individual and inspire them to be better both in life and in business. If you want to learn more about Evolve, including our beautiful co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul, then please go to evolvemembers.com where you'll find great content, insights, details of all of our services and also information on our forthcoming events. For now though, let's get on with the show. This week, I'm speaking to Chris O'Reilly, CEO of Presto Music, which this year celebrates its 35th anniversary. Although it has a highly successful store in Leamington Spa, what really sets out this fantastic business is its e-commerce platform, which was established in 2001 and which Chris, who joined shortly after the website had launched, has had a fundamental role in improving and adapting to market shifts and consumer demands. We talk about this during the course of our conversation, as well as his own personal journey from store manager to CEO. As you'll also hear, Chris has a wonderful passion, not only for music, but for its power to transform lives and bring communities together. He's an example of someone who is always thinking of ways a business is not just a vehicle for profit, but can have a positive impact by bringing lasting personal value to its customers and the surrounding community. I really enjoyed this aspect of the conversation with Chris. I find it really inspiring when I hear that kind of passion in someone. But I was also fascinated by Presto's evolution to becoming a music streaming service, as well as Chris's thoughts on why bricks and mortar still matter. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome, Chris, to the Evolved Succeed podcast. Oh, good morning, Warren. Nice, nice to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you on the podcast. And there's so much for us to talk about you being in the music industry and a retail and online uh, retailer as well. So lots of things about change and disruption, but also wanted you during the course of our conversation, Chris, uh, to talk to you about your own history, your own journey within Presto Music and a little bit of the history of Presto Music. So I suppose we should start there. Perhaps you'd be kind enough to tell our listeners a little bit about the history of Presto Music and your role within it. Absolutely. So um, Presto Music's uh, a retailer. Uh, We've got a shop in Leamington Spa in Warwickshire in the Midlands and a website uh, which obviously serves the whole world. Um, Mm. The the business started in 1986 as a shop. Uh, My history started in 2001. Uh, It's my 20th anniversary this year. That's when I joined, moved to Leamington, got married. Um, Wife had some proper work playing the violin and I was sort of freelancing as a conductor, studying in concert halls and just trying to scrape together a living. And this job came up running this shop um, in Leamington. So I took the plunge, moved to Leamington, started running the shop. At that point was just a shop, no website at that point, selling CDs, classical music CDs. Um, My background was in classical music. I'd done an undergraduate degree in music and a postgrad in music as well. 
but I never practiced enough at my instrument, which is the cello, to actually ever make a living okay. out of playing. Never listened to your mum and dad. <laughs> I never listened to them. No, despite the fact that they were musicians as well, I never, I never, um, never put in the hard graft of you know getting up at seven yeah. and doing hours of studies before school and stuff. I was a bit lazy for that. Um, but I always loved music. So I wanted to. I thought my future would end up in the music world. Um, yeah. It's quite fortunate, really, that the job running the shop came up in 2001. Yeah. And then, whoa, 20 years later, I'm still here. And it's a very different business now as it was back then. So what's changed in the business in those 20 years? And congratulations on the anniversary, by the way. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, well, we started the website in 2001, um, which was a funny time to start a website because it was after the mm. bit of the dot-com um, the bubble had burst, so to speak. And a lot of people, where a lot of tech companies were sort of probably overvalued, and they went down. And so, um, but the future was all. I think people realised the future was online. And the, the the owner of the business at that time, Maurice Millwood, who made his money in market research, but bought the business because he wanted the music shop in Leamington to survive. Right. Um, he was quite, you know, saw ahead, and he realised that online was going to be where a retail business needed to exist. Um, okay. So we invested in the website in 2001 and started building, started with 500 classical CDs of the best classical CDs that you might want to buy on a, a pretty rubbish website um, in terms mm. of what we compare now. I mean, it was, it was good for the time, but you know, there was no pictures, there was, there was no yeah. real information. It was just a listing really with a price and a buy button where you buy and enter your address, credit card number, job done. Um, so yeah, I don't want to do a disservice to it. I say it was rubbish. It was it was basic. Um, um, and then we've yeah, over the last twenty years, it's basically grown from there, increasing the range of products, um, increase and increasing yeah. the quality of the website. And what proportion of your business now is online compared to sort of uh, traditional sure. retail? So it's about ninety five percent online. Wow. Um, actually last year was probably slightly more than 95% because the shop was closed because of, course, of the lockdown yeah. so much of last year so um, it's actually more than that yeah but of course the shop serves anyone who lives within a 25 mile radius of Leamington realistically yep. and the website serves the whole world it really is the whole yeah. world you know I think 1% of our business is Israel and 1% is South Africa so it really is going wow. everywhere um, and of course there's a lot of people in the world with interest in music how did it feel? Because obviously 2001, if you say, dot-com burst, everybody thought, well, the internet's going to be here, it's going to be a thing. But that's for retail, that was a very early adoption, wasn't it? When you still had a physical presence on the high street, most retail businesses at that point were probably still concentrating on their bricks and mortar. So obviously a forward-thinking owner, but did you have any trepidation at that point? And how did it feel to you know, have walked into a business that was... You know, a traditional business serving the customers and then you know working on a business that became predominantly online yeah so i'd say early on we started the website without massive expectations so we listed the products and they were there and the website was obviously live 24 7 unlike the shop that was open for yeah. five days a week we closed on thursdays and sundays and we were open nine to five so in terms of being available for people to buy from the website's there all the time, which is one of the big things on it. Um, but we didn't spend a lot of time on it initially. We just waited for an order to come in, and then when an e someone orders something, we got an email to say somebody's ordered this. So we go and find yep. it on the shelf and put it in a jiffy bag, take it to the post office, and post it out. And it it's very, yeah, <laughs> it was very, very crude and very basic. And I think that was, I guess that was one of the things that made it work quite well. We didn't employ anybody to work on the website until three or four years yeah. later. It was just people in the okay. shop who, between customers, 
one of the tasks might be or check if there's any orders and then as time went on one of the tasks also was or oh, can you enter a bit of detail about these new cds that have just come in to add to the product catalog and so we gradually built um and it was probably it was maybe two three years later when we when it started to come to a level where you thought actually this is now getting meaningful um mm. we're gonna need to put more effort into this and make think more strategically i suppose about what how we want to develop the website um so there's yeah. a lot of work to do i think we'll come back to that story but perhaps we should just rewind a little bit and so you you joined 2001 uh, to work and manage the shop so what's yeah. your journey been like in the last 20 years you know obviously chief exec now um i'm doing a completely different role yeah so when i joined it was i was the manager in the shop so i'd serve most customers who came in because it wasn't a busy shop um, no. and so my task was serving customers it was ordering stock a lot of new releases because the, the market is still quite dominated by what's new and people want to hear what the new things are um so i'd have there'd be the representatives from the record labels would come along and say this is our releases this month and you say well that looks good i'll have 10 of that one i'll have five of that one Ooh, i'm not sure about that one it's a bit pricey just give me one um or i'll skip yeah. that one completely and so <laughs> it's very much a trying to work out what would sell um, and it was, yeah, very different to now. I mean, the, the relationships with customers was one-on-one. You know, I knew this customer who had a particular interest in Norwegian romantic music. And so if a CD came out of Norwegian romantic music, I'd get one in thinking, ah, oh, I've got someone who'll buy it. He'll that. be in in, he'll yeah, be in, he'll, in a few days. He's, he's, yeah, he comes in every Thursday afternoon. So um, <laughs> he'll have that. So yeah, you were, it was very much, it was closer to the products, I suppose. And as we've grown and we've now, you know, there was, I think there were three or four staff when I started. There was a lady who left at three to pick up her kids from school. Yeah. Um, somebody who worked Saturdays. It was, it was a very small number of people. And now I think there's 48 of us across the business. Wow. So That's um, phenomenal growth. <laughs> yeah. So my, my, my experience of that is rather stepping up, doing everything, which I was back when we started, I now try and do as little as possible really in the, mm. the day-to-day running of the business. And a pool of very talented people around me who do all the jobs of looking at new releases, deciding how to list them, working out how much stock we need to buy, what we're going to promote, um, yeah. and all those tasks. And is the shop still that local retailer? I mean, have you been able to keep this? Because from you know what you've said, and obviously by the sounds of it, the, at the time, the owner of the business was somebody that was just passionate in Leamington Spa, passionate in retail, passionate about classical music. So he bought the shop. Yeah. Um, and so have you been able to keep that passion in the retail side and that local kind of feel to the shop as well as develop the online? Because they are completely different, aren't they? They are completely different. Um, they're probably, I'd say they're probably more different than they should be now. Um, okay. We've sort of run them a little bit as separate businesses in terms of the IT backend doesn't really communicate with each other yeah. very well. We have two separate product database, two separate customer databases. So there's a lot of manual work really, because we do move a lot of stock between the sort of warehouse, mm. which runs the web and the shop. Um, so a little bit more distinct than I, I think they probably should be. And that's just evolved over time. Um, when Morris bought the business and 
he bought it because he bought his classical CDs there. And it was right. purely a selfish thing, really. He didn't want the classical CD shop to close. So the easiest right. way to prevent it closing was to buy it. Uh, and then... <laughs> That's an extreme purchase, isn't it? And it <laughs> was, yeah. But he was very much, so he, so he made his money elsewhere. It was a passion for him. And he's yeah. sort of, so if I can, if I can turn it to a cut even position, that's fine. So I don't need it to make money. I need it to cut even. So that was, yeah. I suppose that was the premise that the shop worked on. And we probably have almost kept that mentality for the shop since okay. really, if the shop can cut even, then that's okay. There's no yeah. reason not to have it. And there are advantages to having the shop as well. As we've, as time's gone on and we evolved into things like sheet music and instruments and accessories, having the, sh when we first started those products online, we had no stock in the warehouse, but of course we had a shop full of stock. So you yeah. can advertise, you immediately had a website populated with stuff which was in stock, which is obviously going to be much more useful and helpful to sell than everything three to four days, five to six days. So, um, so that certainly helped. And certainly as we go forward, now we're seeing some of the instrument brands, for example, like Yamaha, for example, we sell Yamaha instruments and they will only deal with retailers who have shops. They see okay. it. They see it as really important that their products are on display and that people can come into a store, try Yamaha piano and say, Oh, that is really good actually. Yeah, that's it is I'll worth yeah. yeah. And if everything's online, it just comes a race to the bottom and you can't see yeah. the quality because you know, the Yamaha's digital piano looks virtually the same as a, a Casio digital piano or any other sort of Chinese or other brand out yeah. there. Um and Yamaha, ours are, we think ours are the best and we want people to come into the stores and try them which is, yeah, so we serve that local area. But also, yeah, having them in, having the store means that we can offer them online as well. So there okay. are some benefits, I'd say. The thing yeah. where the store, I think, is where we've not gone the wrong way, but where we've maybe underappreciated it is, I don't think we've done enough for the store, for the local area in terms of helping create more musicians. In terms of, we, we know, we've, okay. we've left the teaching. You know, people come in and say, my son wants to start the guitar. We can say, great, we can sell your guitar. We can sell you some music to go with the guitar. We can change the strings for you. We can tune it. We can advise you. Uh, and here's a list of teachers. Um, yeah. Off you go. Good luck. Which maybe isn't enough because we don't know enough about those teachers. And there's no, we can't, it's, it's very much leaving the job to them. Whereas if we, I'm sort of got this vision now of the shop being more of a community where we can offer everything. So we can help you with the lessons. And, you know, why not, yeah. you know, when you've been playing a term, let's have a little concert for all our beginner guitars um, where the parents and grandparents can come and listen. And, okay, you guys are all at a similar level. Let's make a little guitar quartet and you guys can play some music together. Because music's about making music with other people. So it shouldn't be done on your own. But if you're only le lesson having lessons privately, then how are you going to move away from that? So I sort of feel now that we need yeah. to try and bring it back and do more locally. Um, yeah, quite a... Exciting idea. But, um, Put it, it on your to-do list, Chris. Yeah, it is very much on my to-do list, yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of many things. That branches into another kind of avenue, isn't it? Is the, you know, what do you think the future of retail is in this world? We'll talk about the future online and, and your experiences there. But I think you've already touched on two things that, for me, probably starts to answer that question, which is it's about the experience. It's about walking in and seeing and touching and feeling the product, yeah. particularly with premium end products and about creating a sense of community within the environment within the high street and within the way where you operate your retail store but is there anything else where you see you know if you read the media you know retail's doom and gloom and 
nobody should be in retail and all the shops going to shut. But obviously, clearly, that's not your belief and, and a belief of many others. And uh, I'm sure that's the one that's going to hold true, you know, that more passionate plea. But what's your view on the thoughts on retail? Yeah, so my thoughts are very much what you've just described, the experience is, is key. Um, some products certainly lend themselves better to that than others. Now, a CD really is not a good product to sell in a store because it's hard to listen to a bits of it. It's, you know, you can take up to the counter and say, could you put me on track one or track two and listen to it at the shop system? That's, that's all you can have a, a listening station, but it's not a great experience. You know, a CD on the, on the website, you can read mm -hmm. lots of reviews from different publications. You can listen to the first 10 seconds and then flip through to track six, track seven, go on to another one. It's a, it's a much richer experience buying a CD mm -hmm. online than it is in a store. And I don't think you can do much about that. That doesn't mean that you can't bring some exciting elements of a recorded music to the store. What we'd like to do there is, is once we've got a, a location where we can have a, more events, is to bring an artist in when there's a new album and the artist mm. can have an audience, they can play some excerpts, they can talk about why they've recorded this works in classical music particularly. Most of the most CDs are recording music that's already been recorded before. There's mm. plenty of recordings of Beethoven's piano trio, the Archduke, in the catalogue already. Why record another one? And of course artists do record another one and they feel they've got something to say about it. They've got they feel that their voice, their, their interpretation of the music is different to what's gone before, and they want people to hear that. But often there's a story, and they want to communicate that in words um, as to why they've come to this work now with this combination of people. Um, so we could feel we could do that in store. That would be really good. And, of course, that doesn't have to be purely in store. You could launch an album in store, and you could live stream it to our database of you know, hundreds of thousands of people as well. And the store's got the experience. The online's got the experience. The artist has got the reach. So that feels like it could be a good future model for us for, from yes. the recorded side yeah. um, for the store. Um, other than that, the experience of actually handling premium instruments particularly. And, and it, you know, if you want a new guitar stand, yes, you can order a guitar stand online, but you don't really know what you're going to get. You don't know how mm. stiff it's going to be to put up, how secure the guitar will feel in it, um, whether you, the little bit that looks like it's holding the neck, for example, do you have to lift that up to get the guitar up or do you lift the guitar and it opens automatically? Whereas if in a store, you can obviously experience all these things and you can see how heavy is it? Is it going to blow over if I have it outside? You know, so there's a lot of products I think do work well in store yeah. to, to there. You've got the experience that we talked about. Hopefully we could bring these lessons, the groups, the concerts. Um, and that's what I see as the future of our business in the store. And I certainly like going out to the, the high street, looking around the shops, yeah. looking for inspiration. Um, and it is these days, yeah. it is mixed in with a bit of inspiration and then have a coffee and a cake over here. And then I'll meet yeah. up with some friends, you know, and that's part of a, it's a day out really now. I, I suppose I should ask the question, how's Leamington Spa High Street, you know, performing, I suppose, post-pandemic? Yeah, Leamington's a good place for independent shops. There's a lot of independent shops. So in that respect, it's been, I think it's been insulated better than some towns uh, yeah. and there's still shops independent shops opening uh, which is great to see uh we've we're not in we haven't we have lost chains as well you know there's a, a gap that's gone the arcadia group we have some arcadia group shops that went as well you know the top shop and that yeah. family have gone so there have, there have there have been some casualties but i think there's enough independent shops still in the center of town to bring people in which is good great. 
which makes it thrive. And, what, and have you got any views on the future of how, you know, towns like Leamington and, you know, towns like Bournemouth, I suppose, sort of, you know, these secondary major towns, but not cities, use some of that empty retail space? Because you're right, aren't you? The, I absolutely agree. Those towns that are thriving are, are thriving because they've got a strong independent base of yeah. retail already, or that retail is now building in those locations because people do want to shop and people want to shop with a strong independent, but we've still got this challenge, haven't we, on our high streets of big, vast, empty spaces. And just be interested, Chris, to know your thoughts and ideas on that. Yeah, I think the the, the challenge that we see is often the big stores, the, the Debenham stores, yeah. the BHS stores, which never really got properly repurposed after that. Um, yeah. I don't think I don't think there's going to be a comeback of the big stores. I think we've got to move away from that, and sometimes that means probably either repurposing them significantly, dividing up the ground floor maybe into some retail premises, coffee shops, restaurants, mixture of stuff, and the upstairs yeah. can be housing or offices. And that hasn't happened yet. A lot of those stores are still sitting empty and looking quite sad, really, mm. in high streets. So, so I think that needs to happen. Um, I think there is more community local stuff that should happen on the high street that doesn't um i think often for example libraries sit a bit away from the high street whereas why shouldn't they be the heart of the high street why shouldn't there be more events you know whether it be a, a kids toddler group or uh, an adult art class or you know why can't these happen as part of the part of the high street rather than a church hall slightly distracted sort of in a secondary location which is yeah. where it happens now yeah Exactly. So I think that could happen. I don't know how that happens. Um, you know, <laughs> That's but it feels a scary like, question for the landlords, yeah. isn't it? Really? It is really, yeah, because they're not all profitable, these events. That's the problem. No. Um, maybe the council plays a bigger part with libraries and the sort of stuff that they put on yeah. for people. There's got to be a solution, hasn't there? And there's got to be a positive one. And I think you're right. It needs to involve more community within the town centres, doesn't it? And that combination of bringing more residential more commercial office commercial into the town yeah yeah we will see won't we just reflecting on your own journey in that that 20-year journey and clearly the growth you've gone through from being the kind of shop manager dealing with the customers to running a team of 48 people what's been your personal challenge the biggest personal challenge you've had to overcome chris i'd say the biggest personal challenge is the realization that not only can I not do everything, but yeah. it's really not in the business interests for me to do yeah. things. Uh, How long so did it take to learn that one? Because that's oh, a big I'm still learning it. I'm still learning it, Warren. I'm still getting <laughs> <I'm> there. <cool. laughs> and the problem is people ask people still ask a question and I can I can give an answer to the question. And it's yeah. just stopping yourself saying, It's fine that you've asked me, but actually you'd be better off asking them because this is yeah. this is a question that they would give a much better answer to than me. And it affects their what they do in the work rather than me so it's stepping back um and yeah taking myself out of as much of the running as possible that um yeah. adage that you a phrase you need to work on the business not in the business i think yeah. it's so true um and concentrate increasingly i try and think about i need to devote my time to concentrating on stuff which is six months or more ahead if it's okay. if it's happening if it's happening now or about to roll out really I shouldn't really be involved in yeah, that. It's operational, it's hands-on, isn't it? It should yeah. be that that vision piece and that planning for the future. Yeah. So that's what I've learned, um, finally. 
Um, I say it's taken them quite a long time. And yeah. part of it was inevitable because we were, especially in the early years, it was quite hand to mouth and there wasn't other people to do stuff. It was a case of yeah. either I do it or it doesn't happen. Um, but yeah, so yeah. And I've developed, I suppose I've learned to trust people more. Um, I've learned to, that people, it's good for people to make mistakes and actually yeah. encourage people to make mistakes. You know, don't be scared to try something um, and it to, to fall over. It's yeah. fine. You'll learn something. We'll all learn something great, and then we can move on and try something else. Um, yeah. not, it doesn't. It doesn't come. This doesn't feel a natural thing to do. You know, to tell people to make mistakes or to encourage mistakes. But I think it's really healthy. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I, but and also, if you're not, you you then do become that controlling owner, don't you? Where you try and sit on top of everything, and you're the MD that doesn't let anything go and wants yeah. to see everything and can't make any mistakes and as long as people are learning from them and and the business learns from them and every, every for the greater good of all then you're right mistakes Absolutely. you know and learning from them is a really positive thing isn't it yeah big style in terms of this journey you've been on you know we've talked about perhaps some of that stuff that hasn't got the challenges but you know what's the thing you're most proud of on this journey um i'm proud of many things really i'm proud of the way that we've now I say we've grown to 48 people, which is 48 jobs for the local yeah. area. Um, and it's a music business, which I think is a really good thing. I think music's a great thing for people. Whatever kind yeah. of music you like, whether it be classical jazz or anything, I think p people get such a reward out of music, whether it be listening to it, playing it, reading about it. I think it's just a really good thing. It enriches people's lives. Um, yeah. So building something which employs local people um, and does a good thing in terms of promoting <laughs> music, yeah, I'm very proud Fantastic. of. I'm in increasingly, although I'm slightly embarrassed for my um, earlier years where I was a bit too hands-on, I'm increasingly proud now of being able to step back and watching other people in the team really flourish. See other people grow and thrive yeah. and develop. Yeah. It's, an, yeah, it's an amazing feeling when you see it, isn't it? It's Yeah, it is. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Far more rewarding than you'd imagine it would be, really. <laughs> yeah, so, um... Definitely. Definitely. And I assume you feel lucky, therefore, that you've you've had a career or and a continued career in, in something you know music and something you're really passionate about and have been from a young age any hints and tips you know not necessarily in the music industry but other industries and and, and hobbies you know would you encourage others to follow their passion and you know how do you would you recommend people do that yeah um i didn't yeah i my dad always said to me um when we talk, when i was growing up in terms of what what you're going to do when you're growing up? He said, "Just do whatever you whatever you like doing, whatever you're good at, um, yeah. and you'll work out how to how it pays, how it works." Yeah. And he was a conductor, and he had some low times. He loved doing it, and he was great at it. But sometimes the concert didn't go very well. You had to sell the car, you know, right. and it was okay. it didn't always work out very well. <laughs> okay. um, but in the end, you know, he fell on his feet, and you know, and he's now retired. You know, and he's yeah had a really rewarding life and he's been able to do the things that he wants to do in life. And so he's happy yeah. with that. And so I suppose I sort of took the same view really quite relaxed about what direction I ended up in, not massively motivated to really make money, just to do something you're happy with, have enough money to do the things you want to do, but nothing really extreme or luxury, just enough to, you know, yeah. just some nice things now and again. That's all you need, really. Um, 
yeah, so I can't remember the answer to the question, but that was that was how I sort that's of followed you. the music world, really. And that's how you'd recommend anybody that has got a strong passion to follow a passion and do something that they're passionate about rather than chase a vocation, I suppose. I think so, yeah. I think I suppose I also kept my... I didn't commit to anything. I kept options open. So when I finished okay. my first undergraduate degree in music, didn't know what to do. So worked in a music shop in London, studied at a concert hall, tried to do it a freelance conducting with limited success um, and started a postgraduate degree in music as well. So right. kept many options open um, to see what would happen. And I think that was in hindsight, that turned out to be a good strategy. And to be fair, that's probably what, what we do in the business as well. You know, we try not to commit to a single course of action for development. We try and keep many, we develop in quite an open way. And, okay. you know, we're working on, we haven't talked about the future, we're working on a streaming service at the moment, but, how that works, how that, what the model is there in terms of how much you pay, whether, how does it integrate with your hi-fi at home? Are we, is it just yeah. apps or are we making some hardware to go with it? And we're trying to keep our options as wide as possible um, to see what happens. Wow. And how do you do that? Do you piggyback off somebody else's platform and, and actually identify it and do something different with it? Because there's so much streaming out there, isn't it? I'm just intrigued now because that, oh, that's, yeah. so, 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 that's disruption in your market, isn't it? Shut, no. Yeah. So um, no is the answer to that. We've decided okay. that we've made our – because we've built – what we've built on the website is basically unique. It's unique yeah. content. It's the metadata about the recordings is unique to us. We've got – you know, we have people who spend their day just editing data to – Make it it's consistent. an amazing website, listeners. To, you know, even if you're not into classical music, go go to the Presto Music website because it's a wonderful website full of great content. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, and it's not down to me; it's down to my team. Um, but yeah. yeah, that's. Um, but yeah, so that's what they do, and we've made this brilliant content. And if you try and listen to certainly classical music on some major streaming platforms, there's challenges because metadata you get is not good for you know pop music's arranged around an artist an album mm. and a track and virtually everything yeah. can be classified in it's those three dynamics those three dynamics yeah whereas in classical music you've got the composer as well as multiple artists yeah sometimes it might be a solo pianist but sometimes it might be an orchestra it might be an opera with a conductor and a whole cast of singers you've also got the idea of works so which could be a group of like a symphony you would have four movements okay. so it's, yeah. it's four tracks but those four tracks together make a symphony which is a work, which is by a composer. None, so none of those things are actually artist, album, or, or track, really. So no. order, order, uh, organizing the experience so that it makes sense for a classical consumer can't really do on the major platforms. So we decided we had to build our own, um, which is what we've done for downloads. We do a lot of business on downloads at the moment, okay. um, particularly high-res downloads. So these are things that are better than CD quality, um, okay. really high-quality audio. And so we've done that already. And so the natural next step for us now is to turn that into a streaming offer where probably right. you pay a monthly subscription like the other services to access yeah. what you want. But then it would very much like now, it's very much going to be curated and guided in terms of we think you should be listening to this because, and yeah. it might be an introduction. But it's that bespoke personal service again, brought yeah. into, but using technology to be able to deliver any, well, anywhere in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's the, that's wow. the plan. Um, and of course, we've talked about the website, but of course, a lot of streaming happens not on a website, happens in apps or yeah. 
not even you know sometimes in voice control people sit at home and ask their um yeah, google like home or their alexa yeah. to play something you know so it's not yeah. even an, it's almost an, it's an invisible app involved there i suppose but um so yeah thinking ahead and how are we going to fit into that world it's not can't just think website we need to think other ways well, other as platforms well. technology yeah. and whatever and well i was going to ask you it leads quite interestingly on but i think you might have covered the answer is you know you've got this as i look at your business i see that you know that challenge of retail versus online and the future of retail but i also was thinking you've got that change in the listening trend in music and i suppose even in the last 20 years you've got cd you've got vinyl you've got digital you've got streaming and, and what were you going to do about that and how did that fit into the model but i think you've answered um the question but i suppose it, it does take somebody brave or brave business to take on some of those goliaths that are now formed both in the kind of retail kind of you know online retail and in that technology streaming music world um you know do you do you wake up at night scary about what the likes of amazon spotify and that are doing not really no i'm quite relaxed about that um okay i suppose I I, i approach everything with that sort of um, what's that? What's that program? Is Chris Tarrant where you get to be a millionaire? What was that called? Who wants, wants to be a millionaire? Yeah, that sort of. I started with nothing, so if I end up with yeah. nothing, I'm no worse off than I was when I started. <laughs> um, so I have, I always have that little playing in the back of my mind. Um, yeah, but you know, we're although we're 48 people, we're much smaller. We're much more agile. We can do stuff, mm. quick, you know, in a way that. We can think about things in a way that's bespoke to us and unique for what we're tr- the problems that we're trying to solve, which might be for our customers, is listening to music in high audio quality in on their hi-fi in their front room. So mm-hmm. they don't want the Alexa. They don't want to do it by voice. They yeah. don't want the metadata organized. They want it in the way that it is on those platforms. So because we can approach it in quite a different world, a different way, I suppose, and create something quite different, not really worried about what other people are doing so much. I keep an eye on them to see what's happening yeah. from the tech side, seeing what's happening in the te- in the technology front and how we need to adapt to be with it. But also the other thing to remember, of course, is that we look back on recorded music and you, you know, you got the vinyl era and you've got the cassette era, you've got CDs, you've got downloads, you've got streaming. And that's where we've got to now. That doesn't mean that streaming is going to be, the history of music shows us that formats last for maybe 10 years and then something mm. else comes along there's no you know we're not necessarily going to stick with streaming forever and some things come around again don't they and well, I suppose yeah. def- different genres of music have different platforms that are more popular than others you know well that's true no one predicted the vinyl resurgence that we've had over the last no. five years you know that's just incredible really you know and, and, and i think vinyl is selling more co- we sell a lot of cds still mainly because our customer base is classical and cd works really well for classical but certainly in some markets vinyl is now bigger than cds mm. you know? so it's um yeah we don't know we're keeping options open but yeah yeah i, I, suppose, yeah, I don't really worry about um what other people okay. what the big platforms are doing really it does really sound like you've got a focus that you know your niche really well you know where you fit in the market which enables you to play on this really wide bandwidth of everything from the local retail high street to competing you know with those big goliaths but within this narrow kind of band this is what we do this is what we understand this is what we do it really well would that be true to say i think that i think that probably would be true um 
that wasn't, I wouldn't say that was a brilliant strategy from the off. It's just what happened. It's just what we, we're interested in classical music. Some of did. the best strategies um, in the world are by circumstance. Yeah. Now we have, ex- your nose. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Now we have expanded beyond that. So we started with just classical music and then we wanted mm. to sell jazz. Um, and actually over the years, we've moved from the domain that was prestoclassical.co.uk to now prestomusic.com deliberately so that we could do other genres and so it's more global as well with the dot-com thing but we only want to do genres where we can add value so we've got a jazz we've got a two-man editorial jazz team who do approach it in the same way we do classical and then they listen Mm. to the new releases they interview the artists they write about what they think the best things are and explain why they think they're good. They cite all the bits from uh, the press about reviews from latest magazines or the awards. we got the sound samples there. So it's a really rich experience that's up there. And so we feel we can add value in that genre. And there may be other genres beyond jazz, particularly world folk areas that we can add value as well. We can't add value to Ed Sheeran or to Adele, you know, that's not our market. So I can't see us going down that route, but certainly other genres we can add value. And okay. we can also um, add a lot of value in the sort of other side, which is the sheet music, the instruments, the accessories as well. Those areas we can certainly add value because, again, I explain why is this guitar stand better than that one? Why is this violin mm. string different to that one? Why might I want to spend £5 more? Um, yeah, and there we can add value. Brilliant. Fantastic. And how do you, clearly, it's, you know, quite an intense role that you have. How do you take downtime? How do you build your own resilience for us to be able to come in every day and, and have the energy to lead the team and do all the things that you do? Yeah. So um, I've, over the years, I spent a lot of time on the business. And that was, this is when I was making that mistake of working too much in the business rather than on the business. And uh, when the kids were small, my kids are teenagers now, but when they were younger, I know it would be my routine would be involved coming home from work, helping with bedtimes, mm-hmm. and then going to the study and doing another two, three hours work at the computer. Um, yeah. Pretty much every night, you know, Sunday nights, I was out writing a newsletter that we'd send out on Monday morning. Um, and that wasn't good for family life at all i wouldn't recommend that as a way to go about building a business it would have been far easier if i'd done what i do now which is help other people to grow trust other people um try and step out of things that need now action and spend the time thinking so i'm much better at that now than i was yeah and i've got interests outside the business and i do a lot play a lot of cricket in the summer i go cycling i've got some friends and you know, go to concerts, which I suppose is sort of in the business, but it's an enjoyable bit. And um, yeah, yeah, I try and yeah, make. I'm very conscious of having a good work-life balance, and I'm also very conscious of making sure that the team here also do that. Mm. Don't like people. Yeah. Well, don't send people emails outside work hours. If you're going to send them an email outside a work hour, put it on a schedule, send so it arrives in them inbox the following morning. You know, don't hassle them. Um, yeah, let them have that downtime. Yeah, absolutely. And encourage them to take holidays and try and spot if they're overworking. Um, yeah, and it's not a. Good. It's not. Uh, yeah, it's not. And it's it's for the it's for the good of them, obviously, because it gives them a good balance. But it's also for the good of the business because it means that the work they're doing is going to be better work because they're not tired. They're not just going on, you know, autopilot, just getting something done. They're spending their time thinking creatively, solving things efficiently, and 
coming up with new yeah. things with their brain really engaged become sustainable isn't it and i suppose a lot of us in business that have started run developed business and grown them have probably been on that would resonate with that put your own personal journey it's quite hard in the early days to see that kind of wood for the trees and understand that it actually is. i think you know working 70 80 hour weeks is the way to do it but actually you have to go on that journey sometimes to realize that that's not the way and there is a better way yeah no that's true and there, and there are to be fair there are a lot of years where we weren't really profitable we were sort of scraping even at best and so maybe it was yeah. it was needed for those times to get, us over, yeah. get us over those hurdles um but yeah we're not there now so i'm quite pleased about that perfect so we have touched on it but as we start to wrap up the conversation chris some thoughts on what does the future hold for chris what does the future hold for presto music so the com for me the community thing is a is a big sort of mm. not so much a pivot but a big area that I think we need to grow in, and it's not it's, it's a local community element as well, which which yeah. we talked about with the store and lessons and con you know conscious things. There's that bit. There's also the online community. I think we can do more with as well. We okay. our customers feel like a community to us because they read our content and um, they send us emails, tell us about things, they comment on our social media posts. Um, but we haven't really created a world for them to engage with each other yet. I don't think. Okay. So yep. there could be a, could be a piece about there. Um, and I think in the world we live in now, it's much easier to, to get the stories from the artists to the musicians. Uh, and those are stories about not only why they've made the recordings, but also maybe how hard life is at the moment. And life's been really tough before mm. musicians in the last two years uh, when the yeah. concerts have been cancelled and the incomes have fallen away massively. And government support has been, some cases, okay, some cases way short, mm. depending on the portfolio of work that they did and whether they qualify yeah. for certain grants or not. It's been a really tough year. And we're, be we're better at spreading those stories now. But helping musicians young musicians on their journeys is really important and also we've got a big problems in this country in that talent is everywhere but opportunity is not and there's the gap yeah. of music education and the fact that if you're not from um if your parents don't have money to pay for lessons or if you're not it's not an expected thing in your local area because of the part of the country you live or your racial mm. background um and you don't have the opportunities and that's maybe a bit of a grandiose thing for a little retailer to think he can influence. But I feel like we should have a, a voice and a, be a part of that cause for change to give everyone the opportunity to get involved with music, whatever kind of music you like, and just fight that corner, really. Brilliant. Fantastic. So. And that, you know, there, there comes that passion for what you do again and, and the great thing that, you know, the music can have on, on the community and on people and on lives and all of that and you know that's shined through during the whole course of this conversation Chris which is great I suppose my final question and a typical final question that I would ask is and again I think we've touched on it during the course of our like 40 minute chat but you know how would you define success what you know what's your personal definition of success Chris I think hmm, that's a good question I, my instinctive answer would be to achieve what you set out to achieve um but looking back, we've achieved things just by chance because we've just things have just happened and evolved. So maybe it has to be more fluid than that. Um, I think you'll achieve more if you're clear what you're trying to achieve. And so mm. I've got this. I just talked about this mission to try and do more rather than just yeah. selling stuff. Um, so if I can 
succeed in any way in helping those issues become less, then I'd see that as a success. Maybe that's realistic as well, not being overly ambitious in what you want to achieve. Um, Brilliant. Yeah, well, good luck with the mission. Good, l- good luck with that wider hairier scarier objective it's brilliant good luck with the business as well you've been a great guest chris thank you for being on the evolved succeed podcast thank you Juan. i much enjoyed talking with you thank you for listening to the evolved to succeed podcast my hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable informed and inspired individual and business leader If you enjoyed this episode, then please help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing. We really value your feedback and would love to have you along for future episodes. And please don't forget to learn more about Evolve by going to evolvedmembers.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week.